0: I was reminded this morning and I purposed in my heart that I will enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You know, that's how we are supposed to enter into the house of the Lord. That's the tabernacle plan established way back in biblical times. We enter into His courts with thanksgiving and with praise. And we come with a purpose to worship Him. Today our lesson is Our Holy God. And how beautiful is that? I was so excited when I saw the title of the lesson that Pastor had given me to teach. Our Holy God. How beautiful is our holy God, and we know our righteousness is as filthy rags. It is only by him, in him, and through him that we can even attain to be holy as we live in this flesh. Um, I'd like just to start with prayer, if we could all stand, and we would just have a moment of prayer. Lord, I thank you, God, for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for your presence, for your holy presence, God. Lord, for your strength, for your comfort, Lord. I thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house with your family today, God. Lord, I just pray that you would anoint my heart and my mind, God. Let them see you, hear you, and feel you, God. Lord, I just pray that your will would be done. Open our hearts and our minds. Let it be good ground, God, that we would absorb your word today. God, that we would apply it to our lives and that we would live our life pleasing, acceptable unto you. We worship you and we praise you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. You are so good. You can be seated. Holiness is found in the altar. Without an altar, we will not be and have holiness. It is in the altar where we place ourselves, where we crucify this flesh, where we position ourselves to see our own iniquity, To see, to hear, and to commune with God. It begins in the altar. Our life our spiritual life, when we are filled with the presence of God, when the holy God comes to dwell within our unholy vessel. It is in an altar, be it an altar in a sanctuary or a prayer place at home, wherever you have an altar, if you don't have an altar, if you do not have a designated place of prayer, I encourage you, make one, have one. It's so important that we have a place set aside, set apart, designated to commune with God, Keep it in reverence. I was thinking this morning, these are not just steps leading up onto the platform today. And this is a platform. This is an anointed place little bit of Julie here this isn't a stage this isn't performances this is a platform where the presence and the holiness of God and if we could view the platform and if we could truly see that these are not steps this is an altar just like the tabernacle in the wilderness the altar was the first piece of furniture our life begins in the altar if we want to be holy we're going to have to do it from an altar pastor we're going to have to find ourselves in an altar we have to place ourselves in an altar it is only in the altar altar, that we can even try to achieve and attain some form of holiness. It is only in him, by him, and through him. This is where we place ourselves. This is where we die out to our sins. This is where we crucify this flesh. And the altar is where we go, where God can conform us, where he changes us, where he encourages us, where he will embrace us. You will never go to an altar that God will not meet you there. You will never go to an altar that he will not touch you, cleanse you, and purge you of what sin that brought you there. You will never leave an altar until unchanged unless you choose to do so. He will always meet you at the altar. We have to allow the altar to alter our lives, our thinking. It is at an altar. It was at my altar at home just a few days ago that I had a conversation with God that I've never had before. It was at an altar just a few days ago that I had to deal with anger at the loss of my sister-in-law. All through Sarah's situation, I'd never felt angry towards God. I would wonder why. I would question. I would have disappointments. I would have sadness. But I never had anger. When my daddy passed, I had loss and I had pain. But I understood. And he had suffered. And he had been on dialysis. And it was hard. And we had time to prepare because we knew that the Lord was going to take him soon. Last week, I didn't have time, and I still don't like it, but I had to put myself on an altar, and I had to crucify the flesh, and I had to lay my anger on the altar. I've never been angry at God before, and I'll be transparent with you. I was angry, and I even said it out loud. I even said, God, I don't understand, and I'm mad right now. And I don't even want to talk to you, so I just want you to go over there because I'm going over here, and I just need to be alone for a little while. And God, in his love and his mercy, said, Okay, Julie, I'm here. I'll be right here when you're ready to come back and when you need me. And so a few days later, I started to hashtag a picture of my dad because it was the anniversary of his passing. And as I was typing the hashtag, I meant to type my angel. But my finger, instead of hitting the L, hit the R. And I saw my anger. And when I saw the word my anger, it was like it lit up. And it convicted me and it checked my spirit. And then I didn't even realize the anger I'd had until that moment. And I physically saw it. And then I had to get alone. I had to go to my altar in my home. And I had to be that living sacrifice. And I had to put myself on the altar. And I had to give him my anger. And I had just to let go of it and say, God, I still don't understand. But here, because I know your ways are higher than my ways, your plan is not my plan, but as long as we stay on the altar, as long as we stay close to him and we don't allow things that knock the world out from under us to take us away from him. They need to cause us to run to him. We need to run to the altar. Our strength, our comfort, our peace is in him. It's in his holiness. It's found in the altar. We have got to be willing to be that living sacrifice. And there's days where you have to say, God, I'm a hot mess. Or God, I failed. I messed up. And he will always be there to say, I'm right here, Julie. I was just giving you time to deal with it. Scared me a little bit, and I'm leaving you over there, but you can come, come back home now. And then there's the comfort. And then when I put myself in the position of the cross at his feet, that is when he can send his angels to minister. That is when, for the first time, I felt his peace and his strength in days because I was numb. That was then when I acknowledged my sin, my anger, and I gave it to him. We have to place ourselves on the altar. First Peter 1 15 and 16 says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That means our lifestyle because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. That is why we have to attain holiness in our life. Holiness in our lifestyle. It's not a recommendation. It's not a man written by law of a denomination or a church. That is the word of God. To be ye holy for I am holy. If we sing and we pray, Lord, I want to be more like you. We need his holiness. The God who is holy. Living inside of us. To help us to be holy. To be like Christ. We must live a life of holiness to be like Christ. God gave us clear instructions in the Bible of the process to enter into his holiness, into his glory. And I touched on that already. It was demonstrated through the tabernacle plan. And it begins at the altar where we become that living sacrifice where we say, God, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Mold me, shape me, use me for your glory. Holiness is not a benefit or a characteristic of a Christian lifestyle. It's necessary unto our salvation. Holiness is not a standard of man, like I said. It's not just about our appearance. It's not just related to a denomination. Holiness is to live a separate life. Holiness is to be separate unto Him. Holiness means to set ourselves apart. Holiness means we are to come out of this world. We are not to in, be influenced by the cultures and the things of this world, but we are to influence this world. We are to come out and be separated to be set apart. God's holiness will set us apart. If we keep ourselves in the altar, if we stay, close to him. God calls us and is designed for us to live and be separate from this world. I dealt with something about a month ago, and in prayer, the Lord just impressed on me. When we feel excluded, maybe you don't feel a part of something, be it in your family, be it at work, God forbid, be it in a social church situation. If you don't feel included in something, So I was just praying, and the Lord just impressed on me. Sometimes we're not excluded from something. It's God positioning us so that we're included with him. He left the 99. I don't want to be included in the 99. I'm willing to be the one. I'm willing to be set apart. I'm willing to be separated. I'm willing to be called out. I'm willing to be chosen. You know, the 12 disciples did not have an easy life, Brother Zelke. They were chosen. They were the closest to Jesus. Yet they suffered. There's a high cost. There's a high calling. It says we press towards the high calling of God. He is calling all of us. Do we hear the call? Will we answer the call? Because that call comes at a cost. There's always a price to the anointing. Anything worth value is going to have a price. Whatever that price is, it is worth it. Eternity is worth it. Peace of God is worth it. God living within us, it is worth it. Hebrews twelve fourteen tells us, follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So again, the title of the lesson I was given was Our Holy God. There is no holiness within me. (laughs) It is only by his grace that I'm even standing here today. It is by his strength. And that's true for all of us. In and of ourself, our righteousness is as filthy rags. It is only in him, by him, and through him. So our main scripture text today comes from Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to go 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, this is our main focus verse, then said I, being Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone. (laughs) Have you ever been there where you just sat before God and you cry? (laughs) Oh, I'm undone. I dwell in the midst, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off of the altar. There's that altar again all through our lives, we have to have the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Verse eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. So we see here, Isaiah, to preface this, Isaiah is upset at the death of King Uzziah. And just real quickly, because we're not talking about King Isaiah here, but Isaiah, he was a good king. The land profited under him. It was prosperous. He did well until he stepped out of his calling. He was called to be king, yet he wanted to burn incense as the priests did. So when he stepped out of his anointing and his calling and he wanted to do and be what the priest was, that's when the Lord said no. And that's when he got leprosy and that's what took his life. And that's what kept him from being buried in the cemetery with the kings. He was buried outside the cemetery. Because he stepped out of the will of God, because he stepped out of his lane, so to speak, because he stepped out of his calling, because he was not content within his calling. He thought, I'm the king. I can do what I want. He had that pride. He wanted to burn the incense as the priest did. But that was not his position. We cannot look at one another. I can't look at Sister Destiny and say, oh, I'd love to be a pastor's wife and all that responsibility, no. I can't look over here at this one and want to do this. I I don't want anybody looking at me and wanting to be me because there's a cost to be me, there's a cost to be you. We all pay a price, there's a sacrifice. We have different callings, there's teachers and preachers and prophets and evangelists and prayer warriors and card senders, there's all kinds of ministries. My mom used to read to a blind lady. It's not in a title, it's not in a position, it's in your willingness. It's in your holiness. It's in your spirit. It's in your character. It's in our lifestyle, our daily conversations. It's in our lifestyle. It's in a living sacrifice, lived in service unto him, regardless of what the service is. I don't need a man's title. I don't need a man's position. I need God's anointing. I need God's presence. I need his strength. I need his comfort. I need his word. I need him. All of the other stuff is fine and it's good and there's a place for all of it. He's a God of order. He's a God of structure. I know and I understand that, but that is not, we atta- not what we attain to be. We attain to be like him. We attain to be holy as he is holy. And it starts from the inside. I've seen a lot of modest looking people have ugly insides and there's no holiness in them or about them. And I've seen some people that you would kind of clutch your purse a little closer to if you passed them on the street. But their spirit... And I personally know them and they have a prayer life that would put a lot of us to shame. We cannot judge on appearance. We're not going to be judged on our appearance. We cannot judge on appearance. We have to judge ourselves first. And we do that in the altar. So quickly, I just, I just want to break down this because this, I just love it. So. Isaiah takes himself to the temple because he's upset. He went with a purpose, as we did today. What was your purpose in coming to the house of God today? Was it check off a box Was it so you don't get a call from pastor? Was it out of habit? Or was it because he is holy, because he's worthy of our praise, because he deserves more time than I could ever give him? One or two services a week is nothing. God forbid if that's the only time we commune and we interact with God. If we were that way with our spouses and with our family, if the only time a husband talked to me was once or twice a week, And that was a a few times with other people around. I would be miserable. God is the same way. He desires and he longs to commune with us. He longs for that one-on-one time for us. He will leave the 99 for you, for the one every time. We have to have our alone time with God. I love assembling together. I love being in the house of God. I love being in his presence, but I love my alone time with him as well. It is in that holy presence where we can cry, woe is me and I am undone, and he will always be there to strengthen you and to lift you up. It was after Isaiah placed himself in the temple in prayer that he saw the Lord sitting high upon the throne. So it's very important where we position ourselves. We can be bitter, we can be angry, we can pull away from God, the things of God, the people of God that he puts in our lives to strengthen us, to speak life into us. Or we can position ourselves in the altar, at the foot of the cross, at the throne, at his feet. So it was after he placed himself in the tabernacle that he saw. And then I heard a voice. As we stay in his presence and as we dwell in that presence, God becomes closer to us and we become closer to God. Not only will we see him high and lifted up in his train filling the temple, we can hear the voice of the Lord. How beautiful to hear the voice of God through a song, through a spoken word, through a message through God speaking and pressing on your spirit. It was after he saw the Lord and he heard the angels cry, holy, 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 that Isaiah realized and saw his own iniquity and his own sin. And that is when he had his moment like I did, where he saw his anger at the loss of King Uzziah, where he saw his frustration, his question, his disappointment, his man, his iniquity. It was after that, that he cried, woe is me, I am undone. And when he realized that, and when he acknowledged that, and when he cried out to God and he became totally honest with the Lord and said, I am a man of unclean lips. I live in a world of people of unclean lips. Woe is me. It is then that God released the seraphim to minister to his needs. It was after I realized I had anger. It was after I laid myself on the altar and said, God, forgive me. It was after I had that realization, come to Jesus moment that he released a seraphim, so to speak, to come and to minister to me. This seraphim ministered and it took a hot coal where? From off of the altar. It's so imperative we keep the coal and the fire burning on the altar. And we do that by praying. And by fasting, by reading and studying in the word, by entertaining him, by creating an atmosphere of praise and worship of our homes, playing in music that is edifying to God. Guard the gates of your home. Guard the gates of your mind. We've got to tighten up the gates. Apply the blood of Jesus over the doorposts of your house symbolically. Take oil and anoint your home for those coming in and those coming out would feel him and see him for his peace to abide in your home. We have every tool that we need to live as he wants us to live. If we use it, if we pray for wisdom, God, how help me to apply this, help me to understand, help me to know how to pray, help me to know how to do this. I want to live a life pleasing, holy, and acceptable unto you. Yes, we want man to include us and to accept us, but ultimately God it's pleasing unto you. I would rather offend man to be okay with God than to offend God, to be accepted by man. So many in this world have it reversed. They offend God daily because they don't want to offend a man. Lord, help us. And I just want to tell somebody today, whatever your need is, mine was anger, Isaiah's was anger, confusion, whatever it is that would have you cry out, "I am undone." <laughs> Woe is me. Whatever you came in today, just know that there is already a hot coal on the altar of God that has your healing on it. He's already gone before you. The hot coal was already hot. The Bible said a live coal. The angels took the tongs to remove it, to touch his lips with. It was a live burning coal from the altar to purge his lips because his lips is where he sinned. His lips is where he So I had to pray the other day, God, take that (laughs) call. Touch my lips with it to purge that iniquity from within me. Once we realize it, we confess it, we give it to God, it is then that he will release his angels to come and to minister unto us, to strengthen us, to take that iniquity from us, to give us the peace, the healing, whatever it is that you need. There is a live, hot, burning coal on the altar today, just picture it in your mind. This is our altar. Like I said, these are not just steps leading up to a platform. This is a set apart place. This is a designated place just as the prayer room is. This is a place where we come to God and we say, God, I don't know why and I'm mad and I need you. Or God, we need healing. Or God, this relationship needs restoration. Whatever it is today, financial, physical, you have a hot burning coal. You have an ember on the altar, on God's altar. He's prepared it for you. All you have to do is position yourself, mentally and physically, position yourself to commune with God, to give it to him and allow him to minister to you. It was after Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, after he heard the voice, after he heard the angels cry, holy, 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 after he said, I am unclean, then the angel ministered to him with a live hot coal. Whatever hot coals, Lord, and he probably has a whole big pile for me up there because I tend to need him a whole lot. It will never run dry. And I want to live my life pleasing to him. I want to stay in his word. We have got to have a regiment. Not only do we have to have an altar at home, but we have to have a set-aside time to pray. We have to have a set-aside place and time. We have to have a regiment. We have to have a structure. We have our jobs. We pencil in lunch with friends. We pencil in vacations. We have to have a structure that keeps us focused, that keeps us disciplined, our spiritual discipline. If you don't have a specific day or time, even if it's one meal, whatever, between you and God, that you're willing to fast something for him, I suggest you do that because some things only come by prayer and fasting. We have to do that. We have to have a regiment. We have to have a plan. He is a God of structure. He's a God of plan. He's a God of discipline. We have to have those disciplines in our life so that we can be as holy as we can be in this unholy flesh, in this unholy world. And we're only going to be the best we can be when we stay in him, when we have designated prayer time in our home, when we have designated study time in our home. I have a desk. I have a place where I go. Sarah knows when I'm sitting at my desk, she'll be on her bed, listen to her music with her dog or whatever. She knows if mommy's studying, that's mommy's time. I'll pray, and I hear her little voice behind me so many times praying. (laughs) what strength and peace and comfort I don't know her words but the angels look over heaven and are jealous of that little girl's prayers and power I'm telling you one of the last things that Marilyn said to her was Sarah you talked to the angels for Aunt Marilyn (laughs) how beautiful is that and she does and she still does today God is so faithful, and he is so good, and he loves us, and he is right here. He is as close as the mention of his name. If we would just live and grab onto that, not just say it, not just sing it, do we mean it? And if you do, then you cry out to him, Jesus, (laughs) I'm undone. I need a hot coal. (laughs) I put myself on the altar. Here I am. I know you have a coal for me. Take it and purge my lips. Purge my sin. Purge that iniquity from me. Verse 8 said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. The Hebrew word is hanani. (laughs) It's a beautiful word. Here I am. But don't just say that lightly. Because the Lord sometimes to send us, like I said earlier with the disciples, that to leave family. There was a cost. There's a cost to the alabaster box. There's a cost to that oil. There's a cost to the anointing. There's many women, Sister Jennifer Williams, whoo, what a power, what an anointing, Sister Mangan. So many women come to mind and you might want to look at them and say, wow, to have that anointing. If you put in the prayer time and you're willing to sacrifice and you're willing to suffer what they have suffered to have that anointing that they have, you can have it. I can have it. So through loss, through anger, through my pain and my suffering, God has added to my weaponry. God has added to my testimony. He's added to my strength. He's added to my empathy, to where if someone would come to me in the future, in the same position, I could talk to them from a place of understanding and saying, I know. (laughs) I've been there. So we have to look at what God allows us to go through so that we can grow through that with him. Not one time did he ever leave us. <laughs> He's never forsaken us. He is faithful. He is good. In every season of life, he is good. He is worthy. I had someone say, are you, are, are you still okay to teach Sunday. Yes, absolutely. This is where I need to be. His word is where I want to be. His ministry is where I want to be. Yes, absolutely. We have got to have the desire to be holy as he is holy. Our holy God longs for us to meet him at the altar. Our holy God longs for us to commune with him and to live a life pleasing unto him. Acts 3 and 1 says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. And that's very important to know because it was a designated prayer time. They were going with a purpose on purpose at the hour of prayer. Wednesday night, midweek service starts at 630. It doesn't start at seven. The word, the singing, the message may come about seven. Midweek service starts at 630 with prayer. God is so much more deserving. Another half an hour. God convict us. God convict me. Yes, I want to be there at 6.30. The doors are open, absolutely, a time to be in your presence, a time to be joined together in unity, praying with others. I can come in and just be praying on my own and hear someone else say something and get a blessing, and it just blows those coals within us that our fire rises up. We sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron. We encourage and strengthen one another. Bishop can come in and say, hallelujah. And "Woo, glory. I get goosebumps and my hair stands up. He charges the atmosphere. Why? Because of the anointing and the presence. Pastor can walk in and pray or say something and you hear him. And it's like, "Woo!" there is a shift in the atmosphere because that anointing, I want to live a life, not for my glory, but when I walk in the room, I want people to say, "Woo!" what just happened? If I walk in my friend's house, I want her to say, you know what? I just felt a shift. Like you just brought something in with you. Because you're going to take something in if you realize it or not. It can be good or it can be bad. It can be pleasing unto God or it can be the culture and the sin of the world. The choice is yours. And we make that choice at an altar. Our holy God, (laughs) the God of all creation knows my name. (laughs) Our holy God who parted the Red Sea, who raised the dead, who healed the lame. He's still the same God today. If it is his will to do so, he will do so. And if not, then we must stay in the altar and in the word and in his presence so so that our spirit can say, nevertheless, yet will I serve thee, even when I don't understand, even when it hurts. Yet will I serve thee, because he is holy, because he is worthy of it all. He alone is worthy of our praise, of our time. The Bible says to give him of our first fruits. He's not a God of leftovers. It's probably why I don't care for leftovers. I want to be like Jesus. I don't care for leftovers. He deserves our first fruits. He needs the best of us. That's not just in our finances. That's not just you're 10% and then maybe a dollar in the offering, but you're gonna go buy a six, seven, eight, ten dollar coffee. Sorry, I'm not, you know, I'm not taking up an offering. I'm just saying. If we stop and think, why would we grudgingly go past a five or ten or twenty to get two ones to put in the offering? And yet we're so quick to pull it out for something frivolous that has no lasting effect in this world. You're gonna throw that little cup away with that little fancy picture on it that people see you th- Drinking. I don't even know how much Stanley cups cost. I don't know anything about them. 40, 50, 60, whatever. I would much rather give that to Sister Heather to send to Haiti. God, help us. Convict me, Lord. Give us a burden for the lost. Help me to have wisdom to sow into your kingdom. Let me be a good steward, God, of all that you give me, a good steward of my time, a good steward of my thoughts, a good steward of our finances. Convict us. Help us, God. And the only way that he's going to lead us, and we're going to be in a position to hear his voice, to feel that discernment, to feel that little nudge when you're in your restaurant and he takes your attention to someone who is in need, and you can quietly get with the waitress and say, here, I want to pay for that. Meal. When we do those little quiet, unseen things, they're unto God. And we don't do them to reap, but never will you outgive God. Without fail, my mom can tell you every time I try to bless or do something quietly or something like that, within 24 hours, God always gives it back. The next time we go somewhere, I'll go to pay, and someone has already paid for our meal. Or it may not even be through a financial thing. It can be through a a healing or just whatever. God's blessings come. It's the so and reap principle of his word. We have to be good stewards of all that we have so that our holy God can live and dwell within us, that our life as a living sacrifice can be accepted. I love the altar. The altar has a whole beautiful study. I could talk for three months on just about the altar Because what we put on the altar is also so important. Look at Cain and Abel. Not everything is acceptable. We have to be careful what we put on the altar because it might not be accepted. And that's why I have to stay on the altar. I want to be that living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him used for his service in his kingdom. So today as they start the music, I would just encourage all of us, I know I'm going to find a place to pray of prayer, whatever needs you have, pray knowing there is a live hot coal on the altar of heaven that God has in a seraphim's hand, just waiting for you to position yourself for him to minister to you, to your need where you are. Let our holy God love you as only he can love you today.